can't be shaken, will only be strengthened. And so as, as we travel through those things, though, it, it, it resonates with me. It says to me that these uh, people have never settled the fact of being a disciple of Jesus. Uh, they've maybe become a pastor, a preacher, a connect group leader, or whatever. But actually underneath everything that we do, we need to be first and only a disciple of Jesus Christ. So whether I'm going to be a lawyer, like our meeting leader here today, or whether I'm going to be a prime minister, or whether I'm going to be a preacher, or whether I'm going to be a scientist, whether I'm going to be a waiter in a, a hotel, or I'm going to be an Uber driver, whatever I'm going to be underneath that is the fact I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. And for me, the call to be a disciple is the greatest call. It exceeds every other call. That is what Jesus began with all of his disciples. He said, follow me. You guys, follow me. And, and the call to become a disciple and to actually make disciples. You can't be a disciple unless you make disciples. And so that means in connect groups, that's how I'm going to actually fulfill that. To be an effective disciple maker, not an effective disciple, but an effective disciple maker. And that means I'm going to be involved in other people's lives and help make them into what God is calling them to be. Now, I might be their disciple maker or their mentor in one area. And I may be only a disciple maker or mentor in that person's life for a season, for a, for a period of time. It's, it's very rare that a, a mentor is going to be your mentor for your entire life. It's very rare that you're going to have a mentor that covers every area of your life. You need mentors in the, the area of, of, of this and of that. And as we become a disciple maker, the biggest, the biggest area of discipling you can bring a person is, is to join them to Jesus. Not to join them to you so that you're walking around saying, this is my disciple. We can say, you know, and I've said that and these are, these are our disciples and whatever. But it's not like saying we're the Messiah. It's saying like he's the Messiah and I am discipling them into a relationship with Jesus because he is applicable to every area of their life and he is applicable to all their life for eternity as their mentor. And so even though we might have occasional mentors and disciple makers in our life and connect group leaders and pastors, they will change. But if we have got a basic discipleship to Jesus Christ going on in our life, it doesn't matter how many pastors we have. doesn't matter how many connect group leaders we have. doesn't matter what we go through in life. We're going to make it. Oh, this is too good. If you can get this, this is so important because uh, you'll navigate your way through everything you ever come across in life. A disciple can navigate any circumstance. It doesn't matter what happens. The principles that Jesus has given you to live your life by in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and then empowered with the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to get through and over and under and around everything that comes against you. That is, that is how Jesus has designed it. Chris and I, <clears throat> we, we watch movies every now and then on the, on the, on the box, you know, and, and uh, <clears throat> the other night I said, look, Here's a movie I've seen. This is awesome. It's called Hunter Killer. And uh, <clears throat> of course, girls love those sorts of movies. So, but, it, but it's Jared Butler and he's the commander of a submarine. 
and he's got to get into a Russian port. And the way into the Russian port is through all these caverns and, and caves and there's sonar mines and there's mines hanging from above. There's acoustic mines. There's mines everywhere. So to get in there is impossible. But he's rescued the Russian commander out of another submarine at great risk, which got sunk, and he's got him on board. And this Russian commander knows how to get past all of these mines. Without him, they could never do it. So he ends up asking him, show me how to get in there. And the Russian is, is a little hesitant because he, he thinks he's, he's going to help the Americans get in there and blow up the Russian base. But actually, he convinces them that that's not why they're going in there. So he is, he is showing him, he says, he doesn't even talk, he says, and I thought, man, that's so the Holy Spirit. You know, I know the Holy Spirit isn't a Russian, but it's, it's so the Holy Spirit. He's, he's just going like this, and, and uh, Jared Butler acknowledges, says, blah, 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 get all the numbers right. And then he goes, he's got to go down because there's mines just hovering in the water there. And he's got to go there. And then he goes. And they say, there is no way there. There's no, how can we do that? It's a dead end. And uh, there's no gap. And then they come up and there is a gap. And they go, oh, okay, we've got a gap. And then they can't see anything at the end. They say, he's leading us into, into a, we're going to smash into that wall. We're dead. He's just doing this, you know, like. And, and, and Jared Butler's got to trust this guy that he's going to be telling him the truth, even though he's the enemy. And so he says, stick with it, stay with the plan. And they go. And then finally, there's this little hole in the wall that opens up and the submarine can get through there and they're out into the harbour. And I thought, wow, this is, this is being a disciple, following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the principles and the, 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 the ways that... God has given us to live are designed to help us, as I said, negotiate any situation we find ourselves in life. Those, there's 31 principles there. I thought there were 27, but I'm writing this book called Disciple this year, and I've ended up finding there are 31. And so all these little things go the extra mile. Uh, forgive those who've offended you. Accept persecution and criticism and know how to handle it. If you can understand all of these areas in discipling your own life, then you'll be able to help others with exactly the same thing. Not just by teaching them it, but by showing them it. When they are included in your world in a connect group, you're going to find that they can see how you handled the rude waitress. They're going to see how you handled it when the Uber driver was, was late and made you late for your appointment. They're going to see how you ministered to a person in hospital because you took them with you. You included them and they actually saw the teachings of Jesus in action in your world. That is what our call is. And that's what our cause is. We have a cause, people, and that is to help people not just discover life as in a life factor in their spirit and come alive in Jesus, but a way of life. Jesus has given us a new way of living. And that is the New Testament way. That is the way of a disciple, the way of a follower of Jesus. And it will make you a great person because of goodness, not because of fame or any other thing. 
Everybody wants greatness, but not everybody wants goodness. And, and God is going to actually form in you the nature of Jesus so that you will be able to travel through every difficult situation. Even if people are nailing you to a cross, you're still going to be the conqueror. You're going to come through those situations with victory and come out the other side in Jesus' mighty name. And so I, I need to let you know that before we are known in all sorts of ways, we're known, uh, well, I am known, let me, let me just relate it to myself. I'm known as a, a guy like a preacher of faith or a, a teacher of leadership or a person who is leading and, and a visionary and creative arts and colleges and all this sort of thing, all of that. But that, none of those things are what primarily define me. What primarily defines me is I am first a disciple of Jesus. These things are all on top of that. They are based on that fact that I am committed to Christ. I'm living by a certain set of principles and I will do whatever He says I'll do. He's the Lord of my life. And so I got to say, Jesus, whatever you say, that's what I'm up for. Now, that's what brings us to this point where we are talking about I'm available because when you go back into, into something like, uh, and this isn't in the notes, so don't, you, you won't find it there, but I'm just going to refer to it. Where Jesus says in, uh, in Luke 14, he says, he says to these guys um, in verse 16, it's a parable. A man had a big banquet and he sent his servants out to invite everybody. And they all began to make excuses. Uh, one said, I bought a piece of ground. I got to go see it. Uh, another said, so he's got to try out his, his ground. Uh, another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them out. Uh, I got to get excused. Another said, uh, I, I'm going to get married. Uh, so the, the part about trying it out needs to happen after they're married. But anyway, he, he says, you know, how can I do this? So they've all got excuses, land, business, marriage. And it's like, it's like this problem of I'm too busy is not a new one. Like we ask, we, in fact, sometimes even salvation is put off because I'm too busy. So I've said to people, hey, you want to come to church and discover Jesus, find life and get eternity instead of going to hell? I don't quite say it like that. But, but they say, oh, I'm too busy. Uh, how about uh, you put your hand up, come to C3 College or do C3 College online, or be part of the, the, the training of ministry. Ah, oh, I'm too, too busy. No, I, I can't do that. Uh, actually, when you discover what people are busy about, they've included 10 hours of gaming in I'm Too Busy, uh, seven hours of Netflix, uh, and quite a few other things that aren't, don't really fall under the category of genuine busyness that are going to be productive and help you in life. It is amazing how much we think is busyness, but it's actually distraction. It's actually d draining you of energy instead of feeding you and filling you up, empowering you. So to make yourself available means actually making some sacrifices and letting go some things that would put you in a room where you could get trained in C3 College or have a connect group once a week where people come around and you, you get together and, and you just travel through the notes and travel through whatever. 
We're going to be providing teaching this year. Go a little deeper and provide teaching connect groups so that uh, we'll do in segments of 20 minutes. So that's going to be a great thing as well. But I would urge you to become part of the training program of C3SYD in the, in the college and make yourself available to God. That's like putting yourself on the altar. So talking about putting yourself on the altar, I want you to come with me to Isaiah 6 verse 8. And this is a prophet in the Old Testament. He's called a major prophet because it's such a big book. And the book of Isaiah is phenomenal. It's 66 chapters and it falls in exactly the same pattern as the Old Testament and the New Testament, which make up 66 books. The Bible is 66 books. This prophet's book is 66 chapters. The first 39 are dealing with the Old Testament and the law. The, The next 27 deal with the church and the blessing of God coming on the church. So it's like a a sovereign imprint of God's God's verification of what the Scriptures have come to be uh, and mean towards us in today's world. He said, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I. Send my sister. (laughs) No, it actually says, send me. So, I'm here now. I want to uh, just a bit of background to this. You find it in verse one. It says, "In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord." That's that's big. I know you're wondering what's wrong with that. It's just in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. King Uzziah was a really good king. I mean, a really good king. Fifty-two years he reigned from the age of sixteen. He did all sorts of things. He defeated enemies, built walls. He, he had one terrible mistake he made in his life. He got a bit proud, thought he could do what the priest did, and that rendered him a leper for the rest of his life. But overall, King Uzziah was one of the greatest kings that Israel, Judah had ever had. So sometimes there are people figuring so large in our life in their greatness that we don't quite see the Lord clearly. We we don't quite hear from God clearly because their voice and their greatness occupies a lot of space, breathes a lot of air. But it was it's interesting that those two dots are joined. In the year that he died, I saw the Lord. I mean, a lot of other things would have happened that year, but it seems to me like When Uzziah went out of the scene, God figured prominently in Isaiah's scene. And there may be some things that die in your life, just go away, that have been too much, that have been too big. And they could be good things. And it could be a mystery as to why. But in that year, in that time, you might find yourself being far more fully available to the Lord than you've ever been before. Immediately that Isaiah sees the Lord, he becomes aware of his shortcomings. That is automatic. When you come into the presence of God, and let me tell you this, this isn't a pretended situation. I have been, we we talk about the presence of the Lord is here. Yeah, and and that's true. It's a feeling, it's an atmosphere. But there are moments when I have been actually before God. 
and it blows the life out of you. You cannot but collapse in his presence. If you see an angel, it'll take the breath out of you. You're in another world. I've heard the sounds of heaven and I've caught glimpses of that place. It is vastly different and it changes everything about your view here on earth. This just seems like a raw, physical, hard, sour place compared to the sweetness of an eternal heaven. The sounds and the power and the beauty and the glory leave, leave earth looking far, far, far away from where God is taking us. If we could just all just catch a glimpse of that eternal state, you'd crawl across glass to make sure you got there and you brought as many others as you could. So God is, God appears to Isaiah. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. Immediately I felt how grubby I am, how broken I am, how, how far short I fall. He said, and the area that it troubled him the most was the way he talked. He said, I got, a, I got an unclean mouth. I say things that, and this is the very area that is his calling. He's a prophet. In your weakest area, often it will be your greatest strength. It'll be your area of calling where you have failed the most. And, and so God purged him, took a coal off the altar and put it on his lips. Hot coal on your lips. Can you think of anything more painful? That's got to hurt. I don't think it was physical, but at the same time, the message is there. The cleansing of our lives isn't just by Dear God, cleanse me from the sin by the blood of Jesus. Sometimes when pain comes in our world, real pain, it actually cleanses us. Proverbs says that the blueness of a wound cleanses away evil. So that's saying that the Father knows that, that there are the, the, the way that we are cleansed from wicked ways and unclean ways that would destroy us is sometimes through pain. And you can, we can be asking, why is God allowing this and this? But we come out of it cleansed, set free from some habits and things that would have destroyed us. So don't be thinking that life with God is just chocolates and roses. There are some thorns on those roses and silver wrappings on those chocolates that you're going to find you're going to find there is some painful moments, but don't let that be the reason why you drop out of following Jesus. If somebody sold you a gospel that says there's not going to be any pain, you're not going to suffer at all, He's going to take it all away from you on the cross and all that, they've sold you the wrong gospel. To follow Jesus means picking up your cross. And there will be some tough, tough moments, people. And if you're a disciple, you say, it doesn't matter what happens. If all my friends leave, I'm still following the person who led me to Jesus falls over. I'm still following. I don't care though. None may come with me. I still will follow. You heard me singing last week. Glorious voice. I know. I'm just praying that it didn't get in the way of the message. I'm sure it didn't. But the fact is, God has called you and I to be available. And then he says in the presence of God, he hears God talking. Who will we send and who will go for us? It's like anybody can respond to this. God didn't say, Isaiah, we're sending you to do this. 
God's just talking. Who can we send? Who's available? Who's available? And Isaiah says, I'm here. I love that. It's not like he's saying, I'm in church, but I'd rather be sailing. I'm in church, but I'd rather be on my motorbike. I'm in church, but I'd rather be at home cooking or something. He says, I'm here. I'm fully here, Lord, in in the house of God. I'm fully here. Wherever I am, I'm there. I'm not. You You see, Noah was available to do one of the toughest things, to build a thing he'd never heard of. Some, for something they'd never seen. For rain, what's that? A flood, what's that? A boat, what's that? Who needs one? But God said, build it. For 120 years, he was available. Every day he woke up, bang, bang. Every nail he hammered into that, into that boat said, a flood's coming, a flood's coming. By faith, he continued. Though nobody else in the entire world believed him, he said, I'm a disciple. I'm going to do what Jesus has told me to do. Mary, Mary, we want you to bring the Messiah into the world. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm available for everything except virgin childbirths. I'm not into those. <laughs> I don't do virgin births. And uh, so she said, no, I'm available for whatever. And she lived with that scandal for the rest of her life. You say, scandal? Yeah. We remember it as a good thing. That whole village thought she was a bad girl. Even when Jesus was born, they talked about Mary's son, not Mary and Joseph's. So he lived and she lived with that cynical suspicion in the world. But she said, I'm available. I'm up for that, to be misunderstood. To do what you want me to do without trying to defend myself and justify Paul said, hey, I'm available, Jesus. God said, it's going to be a tough life for you, Paul. I'm up for it. Jesus, more than anybody else, he said, hey, in the volume of the book it is written, I have come to do your will, not mine. And he's in the garden praying, God, let the cup pass. It's tough to be available sometimes. But eventually he resolved, nevertheless. Not my will, but yours. I'll put my teeth together and I'll grind it and I'll do it in Jesus' name. I will do this. I will be available on your altar for you, Lord, no matter what happens. And you and I can find that we'll be the chosen. I'm not talking like that about being a cult or anything like that. Matthew 22 verse 14 says, Many are called but a few are chosen. What's that mean? Everybody got the invitation to come to the banquet, but only a few responded. So God said, you're chosen. You're at the table. Everybody's got the call. You're called. And we live below our level of potential when we don't yield our whole life over to the Lord and say, God, my life is yours. For the long haul, right to the end, I'm committed. Revelation 3 verse 11 says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. My God, if if there's things that motivate me, it's a scripture like that. That means that I got a crown, but somebody else could end up getting it. That means, that means 
that I am probably number 10 on a list that God had asked. I'm wearing the crown probably of somebody else who did not make themselves available. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's saying, we we could choose this guy, we could choose this guy, choose this guy. Then the angel says, well, we've got one left. God says, who's that? He says, oh, Phil Pringle. God says, really? Could we get any of the others? No. And so, but he's made himself available. The others were too busy testing out their yokes of oxen and busy with their lands. He's just in church making himself available. Saying, I'm here. That no one else might take your crown. The, the, The deal is, and I have watched this on our staff. I have watched. And in our movement, leaders, great leaders, just for one reason or another, drop out. And immediately another person is in their place. And we're on the crown that was meant for another. But they picked it up because God is going to get His purpose done. I don't know if that sort of thing motivates you. It motivates me. I don't, I'm not going to let anybody else wander into heaven with my crown on their head because I blew it, because I messed up and stumbled. And God's saying, This could have been you. <laughs> Weird word, I know. Lord Jesus, I believe it though, that you and I, Lord God, are gonna walk together into the future on the altar of God. I'm gonna finish with this scripture in Romans 12, verse one and two. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Beautiful, perfect, acceptable will of God. The beautiful will of God. 